Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of my podcast, Is Breakfast Included? My guest today is Dennis Mullen of Protone Pedals. Now, Dennis and I have been friends for several years, and he was kind enough to give me his time to talk to me about Protone Pedals. We told a couple of stories about when we met, and he kind of explained his new line of Patrick Nagel-inspired pedals. All right, I'm going to let him tell you all about it. Let's check it out. Uh, Tell me who you are, where you're from, what Uh. you do. (laughs) <laughs> man these questions get different every time we have this conversation <laughs> i am uh, dennis mullen uh from proton pedals based out of charleston south carolina formerly dallas texas denton texas as well so we'll throw, throw some love denton's way right on right on crossroads really right <laughs> yes even cooler sounding uh-huh. right and you know, you know Texas. what's awesome? You were in Crossroads, Texas, and right up the road is a little town. It's just on the other side of Crossroads, just before the new bridge was put in. And I'm drawing a blank. It's just another one of those subdivisions. All that to say, Sully Guitars is based out of there. Yeah, he's in Little Elm. That's it, Little Elm. Yeah. Little Elm was literally like a, a hundred yards away from my house in Crossroads. Okay. Cool. So we were like, we were like literally MySpace friends, and didn't even know that we were a hundred yards from one another until uh, I want to say like a week before I pulled the trigger and moved to South Carolina. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I was like, oh shit. And now he's all big and blown up. And yeah, he's cool got stuff. his. Own, he's got a new spot. Uh, I haven't uh, I haven't been following too closely what he's done. I did see him like post some photos of a moving truck and stuff. So good on him. Yeah. I guess uh, Taco Power Guitars d- does pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> All right. He did post a, a picture of both his cars in the garage, and that was that was his way of saying like I can finally use my garage. Yes, I'm out of the garage. I'm, I'm legit now. Now. Well, man, uh, yeah, so you are in Virginia. You build no. boutique pedals? I'm in South Carolina. South Carolina. Yeah. You, you want to do that again? <laughs> no, no. I'm an idiot. Yeah, well, South Carolina. Well, I'll cut you some slack. It's man. all the South, dude. <laughs> it is. It is all the South. And, you know, it's funny. When we travel and, uh, you know, my wife will say we're from Charleston. And I have to remind her, there are several Charlestons at this end of the continent. <laughs> so you got to tell them uh, South Carolina. Mm. So, but, uh, yeah, the South is um, it's a weird beast. And it's a weird time to be here, too. I'm not gonna lie. I can imagine. I know it's not a political podcast, but oof, it's a weird time to be here. <laughs> <laughs> but then again, I haven't been outside in a year and a half, so I really wouldn't know. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, how long has Protons been around? Mm. Proton pedals have been around uh, probably 17 years, 18 years. I'll tell you the honest to goodness truth. The way that I normally answer this question is I have to go to uh, whois.com, you know, the, the domain name registrar for the world mm-hmm. that tells you when a, when a company or a, somebody bought a, a domain. That's kind of when I figure that's, that's where I draw this, snap that chalk line as far as we're a thing now. We've bought a website rather than just, you know, doing little shows and stuff like this. So, 
I want to say about 17 years. It was a long answer for two words. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, and you mainly specialize in boutique pedals, right? What they call uh, boutique pedals. Yeah, yeah. We we call them boutique. Uh, I think I still, Proton still falls into that category of boutique in that we don't really do anything mass produced. You know, like there's a lot of folks out there that you'd think are, are boutique, but they're doing them in massive batches and things like this. But no, we still do every single one by hand right here in South Carolina. So yeah, it's pretty boutique. And you didn't, you didn't kind of get into this to, to make pedals, right? Um, well, I started, when. no, I did get, well, no, I got into it because I, I needed something and I made it and it was cool. And people said, yeah, that sounds cool. So, uh, you know, the always looking for something to sell hustler that I, that I am, I said, well, let's see if we can sell a bunch of them. So we did. <laughs> it's really that's the long and short of that story. I know you've heard it before. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, no, I, you know, I, I, I did, I needed, I needed a clean booster to go in front of my Gibson gold tone, uh, little one by 12 killer little tube amp. Awesome clean, but you just couldn't get it to distort, save your life without a paddle. So I made a little clean boost. People dug it. Yeah, that's rad. So I made another one, put some racing stripes on it, threw them on eBay, and had a couple dealers before the seven-day auction ended. It is really the Reader's Digest version of that story. But this was 17 years ago, and there wasn't but six of us. <laughs> you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. It, was, it was me and uh, uh, Mike doing the uh, uh, full-tone stuff. And obviously Zach and Zebex was around and Wampler was just doing uh, pedal mod instructions. And now they're a behemoth. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so yeah, this was like I said, he, he was just doing PDFs for 20 bucks. <laughs> so oh. it was, it was a different world. And then you started building pedals for other guys like, uh, mm. like, uh, "Quote unquote famous artist." Uh, well, you know, fame is all relative. Uh, but yeah, you know, we did guys who made lot. records that <laughs> that people bought. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We we've made a few of those. Um, I think the first like the first big that I sent something to was actually uh, Dave Navarro of you know tattoo fame tattoo and internet weirdness fame <laughs> no who doesn't love dave and Jane's addiction uh i made a wall for him and then somehow i got around to billy morrison who was from the cult and some other he was in the cult at that point in time and then like uh, i got i started doing a bunch of stuff with matt sorum from that uh, Guns and Roses, also the cult. So yeah, and then it just snowballed, and we kind of fell into this niche of uh, industrial guys. We started working with uh, Tommy from Prong, and then uh, Paul Raven of Killing Joke and Prong, and every industrial band in the '90s. But that was Paul. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we did a we've dude we've been everywhere. That was the early days. 
Um, so yeah, we've worked with a few people that are famous, I suppose. Yeah. What What do you think uh, separates you from all the other pedal guys, all the other pedal companies? <sighs> Honestly, uh, aesthetics. I think our aesthetic has always been slightly left of center. We try to take a step back uh you know with a name like smuckers it's got to be good well with a name like proton you know you kind of it's got to be good but but it, it is good and and i say that confidently because uh it is uh, we do good stuff i've been in the industry i mean i studied theory and composition then i went and studied audio engineering and i've been in the studio rat i've done the touring thing i i know what sounds good uh, I hate blowing my own horn like that, but I do. I know what it sounds good. Um, but these days, the there are hundreds of, of guys just like me, hundreds of boutiqueers out there. Um, and a lot of us are using even the same schematics with the same original errors and just bizarre stuff like this. So I think the barrier for entry for a boutique company these days is, is non-existent. There's so many part sources. There's so many, uh, like I said, schematic references. There's a million of our things floating out there that have all been reverse engineered. So what sets us apart, it's kind of the one thing that that we do slightly different, what I've always done, is just we put weird, cool, strange, awesome art on top. Um, this day and age, it's going to sound good. We all, like I said, we all have access to every bit of information that humanity has ever concocted via the internet. So it should sound really fucking good. And they do. And so does everybody else's. So how do I set them apart and make them look cooler? Okay, cool. Um, I mean, it's oversimplified, but, you know, that's that's really what it comes down to. You just, and it's worked uh, out for you. It's, um, some days it does. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes, you know, I'll spend a whole bunch of money on art and nobody wants it. (laughs) Um, but no, generally, yeah, generally it works out. Uh, I've since, uh, probably since we've known each other, I've always worked under the ethos of, uh, repulsion marketing. You make something so weird and so repulsive looking that if you're into it, you're into it. And if you're not, you're so repulsed, you don't even waste either of our time. And that's really what I'm going for. Mm -hmm. I want the dudes that get it to approach me and talk about it. The dudes that don't get it, let's not waste each other's time. You know what I mean? Because I started, I kind of came up with that mindset um, before the internet really exploded with like YouTube and stuff. Um, and you had to press the flesh a lot via guitar shows and NAM and South by Southwest and all of these things. And you'd literally spend 10 hours a day talking to tire kickers, you know, and then maybe the last hour or somewhere you'd talk to people that truly get it, <laughs> you know? So, uh, so what I try to do is just, uh, I'm going to make it so weird looking that if they're just not into that look, I don't have to talk to them at all. So, so that worked pretty well. And then, then we've kind of, you know, pivoted here and there. Well, let's put some of this artwork and let's put some of that on there. So, 
now we're kind of in the middle of this, or we just started uh, in the middle in that I've been working on it for almost a year now, and it's only been released for a few weeks. Uh, that being the Patrick Nagel collection, not weird or ugly at all, but it's pretty fucking rad, but yeah. totally different, yeah. totally different. Yeah. So, but yeah, we're, we're excited by him. I mean, um, so that was that was about a year in the works and you just released them how are they doing so far so far they're doing really really well um it's kind of a weird i'll be honest with you from a business perspective it's kind of a weird time for business because while um the outside world business is picking up you know like your restaurants and things like this but for the last 18 months or so during this quarantine lockdown nonsense um People have kind of locked themselves in their room and played guitar and bought a lot of guitar pedals. Yeah. It was quite nice. I cannot complain. Um, but now that the world is starting to open back up, I'm seeing that normal summertime dip as people do other stuff, which is great. I want the world to go on and do other stuff. So we're kind of releasing this at a weird marketing time, you know. Uh, but as far as as far as the reaction. Dude, people love them. I mean, when you look at these things, it really – and what I wanted was I wanted people to kind of remember those those cool feelings of the 80s where nobody gave a fuck about anything. And I, again, wild oversimplification. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, when you opened up a Playboy magazine, you saw his art in there. Or you were at the mall somewhere and everywhere is niggle art. Um, you know, even at movies and things like this. It was just everywhere. He was just such a, such a snapshot in time that uh, I kind of wanted to celebrate that. And then I was thinking, man, how do I make that work? You know, what do I, what do I put under the hood? Mm-hmm. So um, I said, well, you know, let's just, let's go pure eighties. Everybody did like the sixties and seventies pedal reboots with all the germanium stuff. And here, this will make you sound like Hendrix and this will make you sound like Clapton. Well, what about, what about dudes our age that don't want to sound like that? Maybe we want to sound, you know, um, like the dudes from Skid Row or Mick Mars, these guys had cool tone, you know? I mean, Jesus, Mick Mars had some of the best guitar tone ever, but I digress. So, so I started thinking, well, how did, how did some of these cool tones that we've completely forgotten about, how do they, what did they do? What did they use? So we just kind of dug into what was happening in the eighties. So we're just kind of celebrating those circuits and those tones from the 80s. Like we've got um, the blue chorus, which is exactly what it sounds like. You know, the 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 CE2, it's a, the blue chorus pedal that everybody loves, yeah, but yeah. you can't get them anymore, you know, without paying through the nose. Or you can get the new uh, Waza Craft that's mm, this, I don't know. I haven't looked under the hood, but it does a whole bunch of stuff that... I, I don't know how they're pulling that off in the analog world. Let's just say that. So I'm sure it's great. I'm sure it's great. I don't know. Um, you know, so then they, like everybody's favorite dirt box from that era, the old gray 250, you know, things like that. Uh, then we've got some compression and all these things planned out uh, for later in the year. Um, so again, just kind of celebrated. I mean, the 80s were 
we it's a punchline now, but when you think back, man, there were some really cool tones. I mean, think of like Mark Knopfler's use of compression in any Dire Straits song. Yeah, compression is the next thing we were putting out. So because that and just the clean tone from I was listening to something the other day, and it, I don't remember what it was, but it had. Just the most amazing spanking clean tone. I said, "Yes, we need that again." <laughs> so, so that's that's really it is. It's just kind of celebrating that stuff that guys our age grew up on. You know, that that was always my ethos. I don't want to make you sound like dudes my dad listened to. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, okay, yeah, that's that's great. But what about us who want to sound like you know Kirk and James and and Slash and stuff like that? Yeah. yeah. So that's that's kind of the I don't know. It's kind of the way that we've always wanted to go. Is what's what's next? So, and what's next is looking back at what was. I mean, eighties are huge. It's awesome. Yeah. I dig it. Yeah. I I can. Concur. You, yeah, you you, <laughs> you you pay your bills on the eighties or most. Not really though. Because anyway, I would say, man, that ordinary world that was nineties and that was awesome. Yeah, yeah, that was a massive hit. Yeah, it was. Anyway, I get um, it. <laughs> you were you were saying earlier, and I, this is kind mm-hmm. of a two part question. Mm. Uh, that all you guys go from the same schematics. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there is there a certain pedal? that Protones put out that continues to sell, you know, to this day? And uh, have you yeah. ever designed anything that's specifically yours? Like an original yeah. Proton design? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've done some boosts and things like that that have been all ours. It is really, I mean, it's it's not hard to do. Um, as far as what's what's a clone that sells perpetually, it's I mean hands down it's our dead horse overdrive. It's uh, the the tube screamer, it's a dead horse that every boutique company is beating. Mm-hmm. I just came up with the name first. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I'll tell you this, I'll tell you the honest to goodness backstory about that. I was at Nam, and I was delivering. Um, Paul Raven's first signature to him, and we were going to do a photo shoot. We did the photo shoot upstairs. I'm having coffee with um, Johnny Coffin, Coffin Case. Great guy. I don't know if you know him or not. Super cool guy. Yeah. Uh, we're having coffee, and he says, so how does your tube screamer sell? And I said, dear, everybody makes one of those. We don't make one. And his response was, dude, tube screamer circuits sell really well. Okay. And that was 15 years ago. And to this day, we still sell, you know, a couple dozen a month. Wow. So I went, I went home and said, well, I, I don't want to do a standard tube screamer clone. So, you know, again, the, the internet is a lovely place and everybody's mods that all these aftermarket mods that dudes were doing, charging ridiculous money for okay well here's here's that schematic note here's this note i just threw them all in and picked the ones that i thought were coolest basically it's just a mashup of all of the various uh tube screamer lines you know how many have there been and it just kind of takes the best of all of those worlds into uh you know into one thing and like i said it's like oh it's the dead horse that we're all beating so 
here we go. <laughs> and that's that. And like I said, to this day, we still, we sell quite a few of them. Right on, man. Um, you've worked with quite a few artists. Is there anyone in particular that you just loved or love working with? Someone who's um, just like, you know, well, just a delight to work yeah, with. Yeah, I, I will tell you. I will tell you. Um, Paige Hamilton from Helmet. We do his uh, distortion. Talking with that guy is a hoot. Um, he's got so many awesome stories, you know, because he, he was kind of exploding with Helmet when I was in college, and that was cool. You know what I mean? You always kind of remember your college band, you know, yeah, it was yeah. like your college band. So I was a huge Helmet fan in college because, you know, it, was, it wasn't quite, you know, this metal or that metal and it wasn't as aggressive of some things like at that point uh, ministry had just come out with psalm 69 which was great anyway but then page goes on and, and joins bowie and does some cool stuff there and he just does this avant-garde art noise albums so all that to say he's fantastic to just shoot the shit with like I, I, trying to get him to talk to you so but you guys will have fun. Um, uh, so many other. I was just from uh, a, a, a bromance. Uh, it's got to be um, Paul Raven, who y- you know quite well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so no, he he and I we we talked daily for a few months as we were doing uh, his signature chorus. Um, yeah, just every day. How about this? What do you think of that? What do you think of this? What do you think of that? Um, and it was it was good. And uh, you know, we hung out and had a lot of good times. Like we went to, like I said, we went to Nam together, and we did um, the uh, Black Tooth Bash. The, it was like the fifth anniversary of Dimebag's passing. Mm-hmm. So coughing through this redonkulous party. I mean, just Google Black Tooth Bash. And, uh, yeah, madness ensued. <laughs> uh, I mean, you've been to Nam. You know what happens. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but, uh, yeah, he, he was, um, like I said, he, he's one of the ones. I'll be honest with you. Now that I sit here and think about it. I don't know that I've connected with any artist the same way since. Since Paul. Yeah. I'm going to have to talk to my shrink about that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, because I'm thinking, man, no, we just, we hung out. We got super close, you know, and just had a good time. Um, And then some rando walked into a guitar show. (laughs) And. Yeah. 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 you tell that story. Yeah, you please. tell that. You want, you want me to tell I, that story? I think I just, I had just met, I literally had just met you um, uh, through a couple of yeah. guys that we know. You were at yeah. the, the the big guitar show here in Dallas. Yeah. And um, you had all your pedals out and you had the Paul Raven and I asked you about it and you said, that's the Paul Raven signature. And before you could go on to your next thing, I was like, oh man, it sucks that he just died. And the look on your face was one of, <laughs> first of all, like, what did you just say? And who the <laughs> hell are you? Like, yeah. And it, it was this weird thing. And and then I felt bad 
for because you told me because then you had to finish the weekend with yeah, that news. So, um, I didn't realize you guys were that close at the time. Yeah, uh, I didn't realize what you had gone through. And then he, like I said, here I was, this rando that walks in and tells you, like, oh yeah, the guy that you're kind of yeah. putting your company behind right now is <laughs> yeah. is dead. And yeah, and it was yeah, I felt was, really bad was, after that. And then first, you know, you and I remain remained friendly but we yeah. run into each other at nam or and, guitar and, and, and you're yeah. always like dude don't, don't come near me that? you know like unless yeah it's, it was almost like i always was the bearer of bad news when i'd be around you yeah and, it was uh i, I mean i, I can't blame you because why wouldn't i have known but yeah. to put it into perspective for the folks that have never really done a guitar show and, and again this was kind of just on the verge of smartphones. Mm -hmm. So we didn't have the internet in our pocket yet. Mm -hmm. You know, we had, we had flip phones with uh, 640 resolution photos and things like this. It was bad. It was bad. Um, and, and yeah, it was, I want to say it was like day one opening day of this three day uh, Dallas international guitar convention show thing. And it's massive. Yeah. It, it's massive. And it was even, it was the biggest one after that. I saw them kind of slowly, you know, slide in size. Anyway. So when you're there again, pre-smartphone era, you're kind of in this bubble of setup and you know you, you spend six eight hours just setting up your booth and i had a whole living room and i had a good friend of mine who did super high-end home audio come and set up this crazy sound system just to make it look cool but uh yeah so i was all tired and exhausted and completely out of touch because when you're done, you either go back to the bar and drink or you just go back to your hotel and pass out. So, you know, blabbermouth was a thing, but again, not in your pocket. No. And so, you know, web surfing was the last thing on my mind during the week. So, so yeah, when, uh, uh, when you rolled up, <laughs> and drop that. I had no idea. I knew he was doing some recording because um, he had just rolled through Dallas on his way to go to Switzerland. Um, and yeah, that was my our, our last <clears throat> our last meeting was. He called me from I don't know L.A. I think I don't know. One of the either L.A. or New York. Uh, I just I can't recall which way he was heading, but uh, he had a layover in Dallas, like three hours. And uh, I said, cool, let's hang out. We'll have some lunch. Uh, we'll shoot some photographs. You'll sign some pedals and it'll be awesome. So we did. Uh, you know, what do you want to eat? I don't know, mate, whatever you want. So I said, all right, well, let's go have some barbecue because we got a good barbecue in Dallas. So I take him to, to, to get barbecue and he orders like this, like a chicken breast with nothing on it and like some veggies. And to put it in perspective, he's six foot five. Yeah. <laughs> he's a giant of a man and uh, he's eating a chicken breast. Okay, well, we're eating, we're talking, we're shooting shit. And he said, oh, mate, what you got there? I said, well, you know, I got the big fat boy platter because I was pretty fat at the time. There's photographic evidence of that somewhere. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's the whole whole 
thing. It's it's fucking Texas, so you know. So, so I, hey, let me get some of that pulled pork. And I said, sure, go ahead. So he grabs his fork and then like kind of looks around. What are you doing? I'm making sure my wife's not here. <laughs> and I said, what's that about? He said, well, I shouldn't be eating this stuff. You know, I just went and had a checkup, blah, blah, blah. My ticker's not doing great. So, or blood pressure, shouldn't have the salt. And you know how that goes. Men of a certain age, you know. So I, he proceeds to have a fork full of pulled pork. And we go about our afternoon and have a good time. And I take him back to the airport. And uh, along comes Bernie. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, he, he went off to go. Like I said, he did, uh, he did that, that album over there in Switzerland. I can't pronounce that band's name, so I'm not even going to try. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, in the studio, just in his sleep. No, I, 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 I clearly remember. I felt really bad when we left. I was with uh, our buddy Eric, and uh, I was like, man, I, I didn't know. And he's like, dude, you've ruined that guy's fucking week. <laughs> and I go, and I was yeah. like, I didn't know, yeah. man. I didn't know. And like I said, how would you? And yeah, and it, 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 was, it was, it was, it was, it was crazy, but. That's how we met. That is exactly how we met. Yeah. So yeah. now everybody has our origin story. Yeah. But, but um, uh, so you it's were... been good since. It's been good since. Yeah. I don't yeah. think you've. I don't think you've brought me any bad news since, and I no. appreciate that. No, we, I don't think I've brought you any bad news, and you know we've we've yeah. we've run into each other in different parts of the the country, and it's so weird. And and I'll be I'll be honest because like when I was running into you, it was. I mean, I, my involvement in the music industry was always pretty regional. So, and then when I start traveling out, you know, going from Dallas out to LA and stuff, and these, you know, Dallas to Austin for South by, mm. I expect to see a lot of the Dallas folks in Austin. Yeah. But when I go to LA, holy shit, I'm running into people all over again because <laughs> it wasn't just you. It's, you know, it's like yeah. all these other guys. And, Oh man, what a small world! Yeah, and is. then yeah, it really is. Yeah. It's a small little world we're in. Anyway, I'm sorry, I cut you off. No, no, I was just going to say. So before you started this company, you said you were going to school for audio engineering. Mm -hmm. Audio engineering. Yeah. Is that what you wanted to do? Did you ever think you were going to start a pedal company, or no, did you have a whole different path that you were going to? Um, we, you know, we all have different paths, and the the one that we end up on. Yeah. Uh, I I knew that I was going to do something in music. As you know, there's a million ways to make a good, solid living in the music industry. So at the time, I I just finished up uh, University of New Mexico, like I said, theory and composition. And I said, well, what the hell am I going to do with this? I got a I got a pregnant girlfriend, uh, and this ain't going to pay the bills. So. There's a uh, recording studio offering, you know, a whole school experience. So I said, well, let's give that a go. So I went, studied uh, audio engineering with, <clears throat> with some really cool folks and had some fantastic experiences. You know, I mean, being in the studio, you get your hands dirty. You know, you, you repair pedals, you do mods, you do all these things. And, uh, you know, you kind of figure out what you have a knack for. I've always liked tearing shit apart. Yeah. Because I figure, well, it's broken. 
I can't break it anymore. So, so it just kind of, okay, well, I now know that this capacitor here will do this. And I know if I bump this resistor here, I'll get this result. So just kind of grew in, okay, well, I could do this. And uh, as this was, there was still two inch tape in studios at this point in time. Uh, Pro Tools hadn't yet completely taken over, but we the writing was all on the wall and we knew it. You know, so it was like, well, shit, we're paying all this money for an education that's literally already out of date before we even enrolled, but we did it anyway because mm-hmm. too much tape is awesome. But uh, so it was, it was like, well, I'm going to get the most out of this as I can. So I, I dabbled in that, and you know, but all that to say. The the music industry, as you know, you, you can always try to go straight and get a straight job, but it, it there's something about it that pulls us back to it. Yeah. You know, there's something about that expression and that creativity and that outlet, uh, no matter what you're feeling, there's a place for it in the music business. Yeah. So that was so I, I knew, okay, well, again, there's a million ways to make a living in it. Let's figure it out. And this whole pedal thing just kind of fell into my lap uh, while I was doing a straight job. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, you know, I left I left the audio the audio world and just tried to go straight job for a while to, you know, feed my kids. And um, yeah, just this this thing just fell into my lap, and it like I said, it, it was the right time, right place, right weird guy to offer up weird pedals. So it worked, uh, and I can't complain, but is it what I set out to do? No, I initially wanted to be a music teacher, mm-hmm. but but then I realized there's no money. I mean, not just no money in teaching. Like, you can't live being a teacher. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I can't. I grew up dirt poor. I wasn't going to volunteer to do that again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll be honest yeah. with you. The work that I've put in to put Proton where it is and where it has been, um, I fucking missed a lot. I missed a lot of stuff with my kids because I was so focused on building the brand, building the company, filling orders, yeah, and just trying to get ahead. And then, you know, I look back and like all these pictures of all my kids and my wife doing cool stuff. Yeah. Well, I'm not. I'm not there, and I didn't take that picture. I'm at home working. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? It's like God, I missed so much. Then I look back and like, would I trade it? I don't know, man. I'm at that. I'm about to be fifty. I'm at that age where you start getting all reflective and shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I get it, man. Anytime someone asks me, um, you know, anytime someone says to me like man I, I wish i could do what you do and travel around and do this <laughs> shit and do that shit yeah. i always tell them like hey watch this scene in the dewey cox story <laughs> where, yes where dewey cox tells his wife you know hey i'm gonna miss some things i'm gonna miss some birthdays hell i'm gonna miss some births <laughs> you know <laughs> uh, yes. and i tell him i was like that That's that exactly one scene it. just kind of puts it all together you know yeah Totally. That's exactly it. And, you know, I I wrote a thing on it, you know, it's like you got to get singularly focused on one thing and you put your head down and you grind. And 
after you've put in your 10 years or 10,000 hours, yeah. as they say, you know, yeah. you, you got to lift your head up and hope, hope that people are still around. And, uh, yeah, I mean, people were still around, but man, I, w- I don't, I was not the same. <laughs> yeah, I get it, man. It was, uh, uh, was there ever a time you wanted to quit? Um, yes, probably once a quarter. <laughs> when the no, bills are due. <laughs> well, almost. Well, again, just like everything else, you know, I talk to studio owners and stuff like this, and we all tell the same story. And you do too. I know you do uh, because I know what you do. But yeah, there's a time where, oof, man, it, it, in the music industry, it's feast or famine. Yeah, it's really, yeah. it's really how it is. Um, either you're, you know, you're high on the hog, or you're worrying about, oh shit, it's all over, and I gotta just close up shop. Yeah. And then literally the next morning, something will happen. So, um, yeah, the, I've been close to closing it a uh, hundred times. And I think any business owner would tell you the exact same thing. And if they said, you know, oh, well, I knew, I, I believed in it. I knew, no, there's always a piece of you that recognizes, man, maybe time. And then, like I said, something happens, yeah. you know, like, uh, so I, I'll be I want to say about two years ago, I called my friend uh, Johnny, who's a big wig over at uh, Apple and Beats, and said, uh, you got a place for me over there? I might be shutting to sit down. <laughs> and he said, well, hold on, mate. Let's just talk. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, there's, it's just like anything, man. Uh, yeah, sometimes you do. Sometimes you just, fuck it, it's not worth it. Yeah. Or it's not worth the stress or it's not worth, you know, not seeing my family. Yeah. I I don't travel anymore. I used to travel all the time, but I just don't anymore. And that impacts the bottom line, but it's what I, it's where I choose to, how I value my time and the time what's left with my family and things like that. So, yeah. Well, brother, I, man, I appreciate you doing this again. We've tried this a couple of times. Um, I have one more question for you. Um, of course. This is something that I didn't, wasn't doing when I talked to you last time. Um, name of the podcast is Is Breakfast Included? If it was yes. included, Dennis, what would yes. you have? What would I have? What would you I'd have? have to have a breakfast burrito. Now, if we're, if, well, it all depends on the hotel that we're staying at. Because, <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. You know, it's like the 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 Wyndham's. Okay, so you get like the the dehydrated eggs and stuff. But my breakfast jam is just a big fat breakfast burrito with everything just, in it. Um, just eggs, potatoes, a uh, little bit of bacon, and some uh, hatch green chili, some New Mexican green chili, and I'm golden. Right on. I'm just an egg and potato guy. The egg and potato is good. You know, it's funny. Um, see, I, I grew up out, out in the deserts of Southern California. And then I went to school at the university of New Mexico and New Mexico is all about the green chilies, which you may have heard of, but I don't know, but it's delicious. And, uh, I got hooked on it and you just can't get it 
anywhere but there. Yeah. So, and yeah, so every day when I was, I would go to class at UNM and stop at the sub and pick up one of their pre-made breakfast burritos for like two ninety nine. It was like the size of a damn baby's arm and it was delicious. And that's it. That's, you know, it's one of those comfort foods. Hey. And it takes me, takes me right back to 1992. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, thanks oh. a lot. Um, good luck we're with this Nagel line, man. And we'll, we're going to talk about <sighs> that some more, um, yeah. off the, off the phone, but, yeah. uh, Man, thank you again for doing this. It's always a pleasure, Bernie. You know, anything, anything at all you need. Thank call you. me anytime. Thanks. Likewise. Uh, my friend, take care. All right. You too. Bye. Right on. Dennis Mullen of Protone Pedals. You can find them online at protonepedals.com. Go check out these pedals we were talking about, especially if you're a guitar player. You can find them on Instagram at Protone Pedals. And I think pretty much any of the social media is at Proton Pedals, Facebooks. I don't know if they have a TikTok. They might. Check it out. All right, guys, I'm done. You guys have a great day, and we'll talk to you next week.